In today's Chill with TFC, my guest is going to start off by sharing how he lost money investing and trading. I know we're not here to learn how to lose money, but there are important lessons to learn to help us avoid it. My guest even divided into stages of losing money. So let's find out how to overcome those stages so that we can move on to growing our wealth. We're going to cover different asset classes, including a REITs outlook for 2022. What should your strategy be at different age and different stage in life? Let's find out if your portfolio is suitable for your current situation. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another Chew of TFC episode. In this series, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives so that we can create the life we love and manage our finances as well. The last time my guest was on this show, he was sharing with us about REITs and he has some solid insights because he's a practitioner himself. Apart from being a REIT specialist, he's also a financial advisor who's helped his clients with retirement planning solutions. Once again, let's welcome Kenny Lowe. Three different stages to losing money. What do you mean? Correct, correct, correct. When I first started off, it's basically ignorant. That is the first stage. Ignorant. Yeah. So basically, just listen to the stock tips. You don't know what you're doing. Don't even know how to do the, the work. You just listen to colleague. Hey, maybe you invest in this stock. Why? They, they'll explain to you why they invest in this stock. Then you just follow. But after investing, then they never tell you that if a fundamental weaken or they want to take profit or they want to sell, they never tell you. That's why you're just holding the... the uh, so got money losing that kind of stock. Then after that, you just lose money, don't know what's going on. So that's the first stage, the, the inherent, uh, basically without any proper investing knowledge and basically just listen to stock tips. I think quite a number of the retail investors out there, they are in this stage. Because I am giving a, a tuition, I'm also giving a webinar. It's quite typical question. From the question they ask, I know that they really know nothing much about investing. They just ask which one good to invest. That's it. Sounds familiar. That's how I started. I read some blog, <laughs> I read yeah. about this company and then I, I invest, you know, not knowing what to do. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Ignorance. Okay. Yeah. So, so after that, I, I found that okay, this is something is not good because no matter how I really need to understand how to do the valuation of the stock itself. That's why I go attend some of the courses to understand about the fundamental analysis, technical analysis. That's how I get started. But normally when you attend this kind of courses, the trainer itself, they are rah-rah. They, they make the whole thing so simple and it's very easy to make money. And, and that will really boost our uh, ego and also our urge uh, to go and trade. And, and beginner luck in the, in the investing world is really true. When I, when I first started uh, investing or trading after attending a course, actually the first month itself, I make $4,000 just within one month. I, I'm so proud, so excited. I told my mother, I think I can quit my job and you know, become full a time. full-time trader. Right. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Then... Then, of course, because when you are in a very good winning start and you tend to increase your bet. So second month onwards, I increase my position sizing. And end now, second month, my total portfolio, I have a net negative 4000 which means that in one month, I lose $8,000. 
Then, then from then onward, I, I start to trim down all my investing or trading. I think something is not right. Okay, so, so I summarize in that stage. Second stage of how we lose money is basically we know a little bit, but we are not experienced enough. We don't have enough time or uh, honing our skill because normally if you want to become an expert, you take uh, many years. It's not going to, after you attend a course, first year, second year, you become an expert. No, no. So my conclusion is minimum, we need to hone our skill for minimum three years to really understand the market, understand ourselves, and understand our behavior. So, so that is the second stage, uh, how I lose money. Mm. So first stage, you call it ignorance. Second stage, what do you call it? Know a little bit. Inexperience. Inexperience. It's okay. experience. Experience that count. Mm. Third stage. Right. Third stage. Third stage is basically you have experience. You also know all the fundamental analysis, technical analysis, and also macro analysis. Everything you can do it nicely. Come out the chart, uh, check all the financial ratio, everything all start aligned. You invest. All right. But... In the stock market itself, basically whatever information we learn from the internet, hear from people, read the report from an analyst, they are all lagging data. Right? The listed company, they will show you what they want to show you. They will not show you what they do not want to show you. So third stage of is a fraud. It's a fraud case. Because I and at that time I I go through, I went through all the S chip, China stock in, in Singapore itself. Basically, after you analyze all the financial ratio, it looked perfect. It's a very good stock to invest. Then from there on, of course, after you identify a good stock, that means you increase all your, your investment capital there. Then after a while, there is some audit happening. Then the auditor report come out say that whatever uh, so-called cash statement show in the financial report, physically they are not there in China. So after the news come out, the whole stock price plunged and also suspended. I have to write off my whole investment. So the third stage was very painful. I lost close to 100,000 of all this stock, no matter how, how well I, I have done my homework. So third stage, we can call it more on the risk management. No matter how good our analysis, the stock market is always right. Mm. right? What's the fundamental difference between the third stage and the second stage? The second stage is more on inexperience. Uh, I have some uh, basic basic knowledge, but I don't really understand the behavior of myself and also smart uh, uh, market uh, enough or the instrument I trade. For example, if I'm, I, I'm trading crude oil, crude oil, they are sensitive to certain information, certain news and certain uh, monetary policy and also uh, forex. They have a lot of co-relationship. So trading crude oil is not just pure, purely based on crude oil, oil price itself. There are many, many factors you affect the crude oil price. So from that angle, I need to understand the whole ecosystem, how they're interlinked to each other. So the third, but no matter how, how much information you do, definitely we don't know what we don't know. So that's why no matter how much we have done our homework on the third stage, huh, if you miss out something, that something can be very crucial and make us lose money. So what is that thing? We don't know. So in order to avoid that, it's important for us to diversify. That's how my diversification come in. No matter how, we will definitely, I say definitely, uh, make mistake in the stock market in the investing world. The key thing here is when we are wrong, we have to limit our exposure. Okay. We would definitely be wrong. So the conclusion you came to was that diversification is very important because we're talking about these three stages of losing money, still losing money. Yeah? You have to go through all these three stages right before you go to the so-called making right, money Right, part. right, right. The risk management come in. Once I went through all these three stages, after that, I start to focus on all different asset classes 
and also uh, see how I can diversify into some of the non-market correlated so that they don't, don't correlate to each other. Then from there onward, my investment portfolio will start to grow. Okay, so that's how you approach your own investing and how you actually help your clients with their personal investing as well. Yes, yes, yes. That's why that's why the, the behavioral coaching is very important when I'm helping my client. I have to keep telling them that diversification, 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 and they don't believe it. Because like uh, two days ago, I just explained to one client that for them, they find it too much homework. Because I told them that when I help you to build a portfolio, I will build a portfolio consists of about 20 reads. They say, wow, 20 reads, how am going to monitor? I just want to, you just tell me one or two reads, then I, I'm done. Right? I tell them, no, if you want me to help you to manage, I can never, never buy you one or two reads. If you just uh, want to focus on one or two reads, sorry, I can't do it for you. Because I totally understand if something goes wrong, it will go wrong. Murphy Law apply. Mm. You mentioned behavioral coaching. Is that part of your work? How, how do you do that anyway? How do you yeah, coach it, someone on their behavior? Because, for example, when the market it's very bullish now typically during this period because December, read, rally. Yeah, yeah, read is usually. not doing well. Read is not mm. doing well. Not, not saying not doing well, he has been moving sideways for more than one year, one and a half years. That's why some of the investors, they are losing patience, right? Then they forget about what is the primary objective they want to invest in read. The primary objective investing in read is for the dividend. The capital gain can is never, never come into the picture. It's, it's a plus point. But when they see that some other stock, for example, US S&P 500, they keep going up, going up. They want to switch. It's a typical behavior. Then I, I told them that now S&P 500 is going at a close to the historical high, right? But as a retail investor, you want to chase that one. Why, why don't you just wait for a rate? Eventually, rate will continue to go up. There will be a rotation. Because when something becomes more and more expensive, too highly valued, there will be a switching from the highly valued stock to maybe a so-called undervalued stock. So mm. there will be the rotation come back. We just need to be patient. Okay. Because US growth stocks and REITs, they serve different functions in your portfolio, right? Right. And that's why you need to be diversified. So in your opinion, what makes a diversified portfolio? Diversification, okay, basically is I start from an asset class. In the investment place, then most of retail investors, they only know about stocks. But we have a bond market. We have the alternative investment market. REIT is considered alternative investment. And we also have uh, uh, private equity and also some of the debt fund, right? Cryptocurrency and uh, digital fund. There are many, many asset class over there. You can have some commodities, some futures. There are many, many there. So when the stock market going higher and higher, the retail investor, they start to lose a patience because they find that, okay, if I don't invest now for more, Fear mm. of missing out. If I don't invest now, I'm going to lose out. But they always forget about it. Hey, there are some other asset class under value. They are not moving. Actually, you can park up money there first. Because eventually, the rotation, you come back at one day. So, so diversification or different, to the different asset class is very important. And don't put all the investment to pure stock market. 100% equity. Because when the market crash, no matter what happened, the whole thing you crash. So this happened to most of the, the investors. They find that they always treat the stock market as a homogeneous, mm. right? When it's going out, it has to be one direction. But if you look at it, based on the different geographical uh, diversification, at the present moment, US is getting higher and higher, all-time high. But you look at China, they are more or less a raw bottom. So eventually, the fund, the money, you'll be rotated from the China, uh, sorry, the, the US, the developed market into the emerging market. Right, because you look at the valuation itself, because fund managers, fund managers, they are not stupid. They can see that China is very, very, uh, very cheap 
uh, at the present moment and the business uh, still intact. For example, Alibaba, Tencent, we cannot live without them. But at the present moment, of course, the sentiment is very bad there. So as the investor, maybe especially professional investor, we always have a very long-term horizon, right? As long as business continue to do well, uh, the business is intact, there is a demand. There's a demand on the on the services and there is a strong GDP growth. You don't really need to worry too much. Just pile money there. After that, uh, just need to manage the portfolio volatility and let the time to do the wonder. Mm, of course, you need to factor in political risk in that case, right? Could you give us more examples of uh, how does the rotation play out? You give us an example of US versus China companies. Mm -hmm. So across different asset classes, right? How does this rotation play out? Okay. Basically, there are two things to move the stock market. The first thing is the monetary policy, the interest rate. Because interest rate basically is like you press your accelerator or you jam brake, right? Uh, To prevent the economy from overheating or you want to add some fuel in the economy itself. So when the interest rate going up or coming down, Basically, there will be a reallocation of fund. Because, for example, when the economy is overheating, basically all the growth stock will probably you have start to correction when they start to increase the interest rate. Because mm, cost of money is getting higher. It's right? getting higher. Yeah. Because growth stock normally they just borrow, borrow cheap money to expand aggressively. So they'll slow down the growth stock. When the growth stock start to slow down, some of the fund manager they'll start to rotate the money into those dividend stocks those value stock because value stock basically you don't grow too aggressively but at the same time they still give you a very good dividend so the monetary policy will play a part in this kind of rotation right and also when interest rate going goes up your bond price will come down in order to prevent you lose money in the bond space the money you flow up from bond to move to maybe some equity or move to some short duration bond there will be some movement definitely right but all these things will happen before the actual thing happen. That's why you call it price in. When there's a news, when there's a predicted prediction, the, the fund will start to move, move around. Okay, so so that is the number one uh, interest rate uh, monetary policy. The second thing you'll be uh you'll be due to the, the business profit, the growth and also the earning per share or the cash flow generation for the company itself. As long as the company continue to do well, they are able to generate cash flow, generate profit, the stock price will, will, will be going up because due to the cheap valuation eventually. So these are the only two things. So if you look at all the, all the business, they always look for opportunity. Uh, the fund manager always look for opportunity that uh, those uh, stock which fundamentally strong but undervalue, they'll go in to park the money there. We call it in the investment world, call it smart money. Mm. Tell us more about this smart money. Like, what is it called smart money in this case? Okay, smart money, they are not like the retail investor. Mm-hmm. Smart money, they are basically, they don't look at too much on the technical analysis, right? Because you, you don't trade based on momentum. Basically, they just look at whichever sector which have a highest growth potential, maybe in the next one year, two year, three year, five year, there tends to be a much longer time horizon. And they're just part of money there and just waiting for opportunity and wait for it to grow. Okay. Right. So that's at the institution level, right? Smart institution money, level, right? yeah. What does a retail investor do? Because, okay, hearing what you just said and having this knowledge, right? I know I need to diversify. Mm. But like you mentioned, there's so many asset classes. If I divide, if I really diversify, each of them maybe less than 5%. Mm. And there are different schools of thought. One is like, you know, you diversify. And the other one is like, okay, you got to have high conviction, you know, and that's where you get the most growth. How do you reconcile all of this as a retail investor when my funds are limited? It really depends on the risk profile because retail investors, there are two, typically there are two types. The first type will be momentum. They just continue to chase. 
they read the news when there is a, 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 any uh, a stock uh, goes up, they start to chase. That's one group. But it's quite strong, because uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to monitor the market and you have to look at the news and, and a little bit gambling over there because you never know. And by the time the news come up, most of the time uh, is a bit late to retail investor, right? Just beware that there's a, a news manipulation out there, all right? So second group of investor, basically, they are so-called a value investor, right? They look at, they do all the homework, they find that this this stock is undervalued, fundamental is strong, and they used to be trading in that kind of PE ratio or price-to-book ratio. He has, has done it before, but at the present moment, due to whatever reason, maybe due to political reason, or maybe due to sentiment issue, or due to suddenly that there's a, maybe the Omicron or COVID-19, mm. those are the one-time event. Those are some noises. So, so this is not detrimental to the business, and, and it's not causing the damage to the business model, it's only noises. So if the retail investor able to differentiate what is a fact and what is a noise, they should be able to identify an opportunity. Then they just need to allocate some of the fund there and, and just wait for you to recover. Of course, you're not going to deploy 100%. Maybe you just deploy maybe 25% first, then wait for a while to see whether it recover or not. If not recover, you can deploy enough 25%. We, we call it dollar cost averaging to enter in different phases. Because you also don't want to get all your money get stuck down there because, because the timing, some timing is very important. You don't want to wait, uh, deploy your money 100% then and wait for two or three years. Then mm-hmm. then at the same time, you uh, lose out a lot of opportunity. It's an opportunity cost of parking or money there. Are you talking about deploying 25% in equities as, as an example? Equities. For example, if you mm. if you have identified certain equity which is undervalued and business model is strong, is good. So you have from total portfolio design, you have a design to maybe allocate maybe ten thousand into this share, right? But you do not know when this one can recover. You just can deploy two thousand five hundred, park it there first. Maybe three months later, you look at the whole situation again. You park another two thousand five hundred. Then after that, you 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 also can wait. Look at the chart itself when they start to. Uh, the stock price start to goes up, you deploy the remaining. Okay. Okay. Is, is that a strategy for this kind of um, investing that, that, style? That's a strategy. Okay. Uh, but is there a name for it? Or, I mean, it's not really dollar cost averaging. You have like one lump sum and you divide it in three, right? Three tranches. It's my strategy. It's your strategy. <laughs> it's my strategy. <laughs> like divide by three tran- into three tranches, yeah, uh, yeah. depending on the market, yeah. right? It's my strategy yeah. and also how I manage my client money okay. because to balance the opportunity cost of waiting yeah. and at the same time, I will also want to capture the maximum return, mm. right? When when the stock price is at the bottom, right? That will give you the maximum return. But the problem is you do not know when they're going to start to rally. But I do not want to miss out the opportunity because for me personally, last time, I tend to wait for the whole confirmation, technical analysis confirmation uptrend before I can deploy. Then you miss out opportunity right. because for those undervalued stock and also a stock with very strong fundamental, when the fund come in, Retail investor cannot move the market. Mm. When the fund come mm. in, that means a big instinct come in. Suddenly, you have a spike in the share price. You're going to miss an opportunity. The GameStop people will disagree, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I get what you're coming. I get you, what you mean. I'm just, you mean, right? you just trying to say something right. uh, yeah, interesting. So, so, so these are the lessons learned after that. Okay, I don't want to make that kind of mistake, but I also right. don't want to get all my, all my money stuck down there. So I split into a few tranches. Okay, okay. Because you, you cannot time the market. I cannot time the market. And if you wait, wait at the sidelines, you know, patiently waiting, you miss out. You might miss out, right? And yeah. so you put in one tranche first. You observe the market. You either go sideways 
up or down. Yeah. And then after that, you put in your second tranche and then your third tranche. Yeah. So and also that one give me the flexibility to adjust if the market change. For example, mm. if it goes up, then it's okay. I can deploy the rest of my fund. What okay. if the market continue to go down? Oh. At least I still have a bullet to buy something at a cheaper price. Yeah, buy the dip. Okay, buy the dip, right? Yeah, because sometimes sometimes you really don't know. Because for example, recently Alibaba, the <laughs> downtrend has stopped. Yeah. Downtrend has stopped. After mm. that, moving sideways. Then suddenly, some of the, the news, okay, nothing to do with Alibaba. It's like the DD. Yes. Right? They said delist. Delisting. Then Alibaba also affected it. Come down and around again. Yeah, yeah. So there's this meme, which is, uh, you know, they asked me to buy the dip, but the dip keeps dipping. Correct, correct. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a possible scenario. That's but of course, scenario. if you believe in this case, you believe in the long-term fundamentals of Alibaba, right? Then they don't mind buying at cheaper price, so to speak. Right. Uh, so exactly. it really depends. Exactly. So you just describe investors in two types. One is momentum, one is, is value. Uh, let's dig a little deeper because I'm, I'm sure there are different um, angles to look from. For example, your your age, which life stage are you at? You know, let's mm. get a little bit more nuanced. You know, how do I diversify my portfolio? Let's stick to the team, right? How do I diversify? And it depends. I'm, I'm sure there's no one size fits all. Yeah. Right, but let, let's go into the details of it. Yeah. For for those uh, who has a longer runway, for example, fresh grad, just mm. graduated, yeah. uh, you have a... Uh, but you don't have a lot of money, right? You don't have one lump sum of 100,000. Early 20s. Uh, yeah. Maybe you have 20,000 and, and every month you have free cash of about 1,000, 2,000 mm, dollars. Monthly income. Right? Yeah. Then it's better to use the uh, money saving plan. That means you would invest regularly every month consistently 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 and you can choose those stock or unit trust or ETF tends to be more aggressive. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Right, and but of course you need to choose the right stock. You don't want to choose something that over the long term the the business model no no longer valid, and and the share price you go to zero. You don't you try to avoid that kind of happen uh, from 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 happening. So so invest consistently. Go for aggressive growth portfolio over the long term using dollar cost average strategy. Basically, your weighted average purchase price will be lower. You definitely you you gain the uh, long term appreciation on the stock market itself. Okay. So so can go aggressive for the younger uh So so for this profile, age. right? Younger, more more runway, more time, right? You can be more aggressive. So roughly, you know, as mm. an uh, to get a sense of you know how to diversify the portfolio. How right. how much, you know, what's the percentage? Okay. Yeah. Roughly, if you, roughly. If you have one thousand uh every month, buying the individual stock cannot give you any diversification. Mm. For example, you buy a REIT, right? Because minimum in order to buy a REIT is near hundred share. So, so in order to do that and also have a very, very diversified portfolio, it's better to use the unit trust. Okay, because unit trust are the minimum investment amount for some of the fund. For example, a China team. You just need $250 per month. You can have a China exposure. It can be 50 or 100 stocks there. All right. And maybe another 250 you can diversify into using the uh, technology fund. Then you can have access to... Uh, Apple, Microsoft, and those things. You yeah. don't need to fork out a full, 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 
full amount. Then another thing is is coming very uh, hot uh, moving forward. You'll be all the ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Oh, okay. Right, and this is a regulatory requirement. Uh, it is going to happen, and I can see that this will be the good team moving forward. Especially the younger generation, they are more environmental conscious. Right, mm. you just allocate another five hundred dollar to this kind of ESG fund. Right, do good to the society, do good to the earth itself. So you are basically three fund. You definitely you have more than one hundred stocks <laughs> underlying mm. there already. Instead, or you just focusing on Singapore stock one stock. Okay, okay. So moving on to the thirties, that's where most of our listeners are at. Well, thirties is interesting. Yeah, it's relatively young, but you might be getting married, you might need to buy a house. You know, you might have children, young children. You know, how, how do you diversify? Right. Okay, actually have to be more defensive a little bit. Because, okay. Yeah, a little bit more defensive because uh, at any one time, you do not want your investment to be locked out, and also you need to prepare the liquidity when you need money. You can liquidate, you can sell. Yeah, I need to pay your mortgage, for example. Right. right. So, so it's important don't get your investment locked up. Okay. For example, using the insurance ILP to invest may not be a good idea if you need the need the liquidity. And timing of a market is important. You don't want to sell when there's a bear market, so it's better to have some of a portfolio. Uh, tends to be more volatile, underlying more volatile, but you give you the maximum growth, right? Then some of the portfolio tends to be less volatile. For example, you can allocate into some of the bond fund, or maybe risk tends to be less volatile. At the same time, they also can give you some dividend. Not fantastic, three, four, five percent. Right, it is also good enough. It's still better than parking your money in the bank, mm-hmm. right? The interest rate in the bank at the present moment zero point five percent or lower. Uh, I I saw the latest in uh inflation number three point two percent annual inflation rate in Singapore. It is pretty scary. So if we park the money in the bank doing nothing, definitely our purchasing power. Will... Mm, okay, how about forties and and fifties? Is that where more rates come in? Because that's the our topic when you yeah. last came on the show. Yeah. So so forty and fifty, we are uh, getting closer to the retirement. Uh, definitely, we do not have a long runway, and at the at the forty itself, basically we are uh, entering into midlife crisis. It's quite easier to lose our job. When we lose our job itself, uh, if you need the money, basically we have to get our money from somewhere. Maybe need to liquidate our our investment portfolio, right? So it's better to be more slightly more defensive, more dividend uh, stock as the as the so called cushion, right? Because if one day we lose our job, we are still able to rely on our dividend as a passive income to feed our family, to feed our money expenses. So dividend stock should be the bulk of it, of course. Forty years old, still quite young, right? Mm, if they are yeah, able actually. to, yeah, if they are able to take a little bit risk, maybe twenty or thirty percent, uh, uh, allocate into growth stock, because if you do not have enough, uh, for your retirement, you definitely need to uh, make full use of growth stock to help you to grow your portfolio when you venture in the retirement. Mm, right? Okay, all now, right. When you go to as a, as a retiree, okay, as a retiree, I, because I I saw some retiree, I do not know why why they are still spending so much time going to trade all those penny stock. Maybe okay. for entertainment. <laughs> but if they're trading for retirement, this is something not so right. Uh, I mean, me. I mean, just a story, right? So my, my friend's dad uh, retired recently. Same thing, sign up for some trading course. You know, my, my friend was so angry because I mean, from her opinion, the course is obviously out to cheat money. Uh, <laughs> but that's her opinion about the course, <laughs> yeah. right? Not all courses are out to cheat money, of course. But the, the thing is, yeah, maybe you, need, you just need to do, some, do something at that age, you know? 
to mm, have something mm. to you know still to look forward to. Yeah, they can do something. But first thing first, as a financial advisor, I always recommend and uh, advise this group of uh, retiree. First thing first, you can trade penny stock, trade all the mimi stock, whatever stock you 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 take high risk. Go ahead because there's an entertainment. Because when you retire, got nothing to do already. You mm. cannot possibly go on every day go and play golf. And not mm. not many people also want like to play golf. It, it right? might not be fully entertainment though. For for my friend's father's case, right? Uh, although there's a some base level of wealth to draw from, but the idea that no income is coming in. So assuming you're retired, I really know no, no mm, job mm, income, mm, right? No, when it, no income is coming in, right? You might not be used to it. It might feel a little bit scary at that age. Yeah, yeah. I I try to become a full time trader before. It's mm. quite scary. Okay. You set target every day. I need to make $500 from a stock market. And that target will kill you because you end up you're overtrading. If you're making money, if you're making money, you look just like a few scenarios. If you're market, making money on a day itself, you find that, oh, today is my day. I'm so invisible. Mm-hmm. After I make a 500, I think that today, soon, <laughs> let's go bigger. Right. right? Maybe you, you end up losing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the other scenario, if today is not your day, you're losing money. But you, you need to make five hundred of the stock market, no. Otherwise, how 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 to how to fit your whole day you and pay your for your expenses? expenses. Yeah. yeah. So they'll end up they tends to go and overtrade again. Then you lose even more money, right? And the third scenario, the whole stock market itself, there are no signal for you to trade. It's very boring, mm. right? Because sometimes no signal means no signal. You cannot force yourself to need to trade. They have to do something. Yeah, yeah, do something. Correct. <laughs> right. And and you have a five hundred dollar target to meet. Then you end up no trade. You also force a trade. So psychologically, it's really go haywire when you become a full-time trader. But in order to solve that problem, now we change it to another scenario. Let's say that you have already have the passive income portfolio, which are able to really fit your money expense, give you 4,000 passive income. Okay, then you do become a full-time trader. Your psychology is totally different. Yeah. No okay. opportunity to trade. Doesn't matter because I have 4,000 coming in for my passive income portfolio, the dividend portfolio. So for the retiree, they should first thing first, focus on building a passive income portfolio. Then the remaining money, go and do whatever thing you want. Mm. You can take risks because you can afford to lose. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. I mean, as an investor, you really have to overcome some form of psychological biases that you have. As a full-time trader, it's even harder. But of course, some people's temperament suits that. Some people like it, right? Mm, you know? mm, but, mm. but like you said, it's really overcoming your own psychology. Yeah. yeah. But to tell you the truth, the successful full-time trader, they always have a passive income portfolio with them. Ah, okay. Always. Okay. Nobody go and put the whole retirement portfolio just 100% to a trading. No one. Because it's the reward versus risk, that kind of calculation. Right. If you have to pay your monthly expenses purely by your trading income, that's going to screw up your psychology a lot. Right, right, right. right force right. do a lot of things that you might not normally do. Yeah. For those full-time traders, maybe they just first started off with very limited capital that do not have a passive income portfolio. It's very common for them is whatever money they make from a trading portfolio, they'll take up some portion, go and build a dividend portfolio. It's a very, very common practice. Mm. Right to safeguard what you have at the same time to give you a passive income so that you less rely on your trading portfolio. And trading is a full-time job, right? You have to see in front of a computer unless you use the robot to help you trade, algorithm to help you trade. It, it's not free. You have to pay for all the subscription. You have to pay for someone to ha- help you to, to write those scripts. It's not free. So those are really professional traders. And how many of us can make it? As a professional trader, it's not easy. Okay. I've tried before. I tried about one way. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get burned or was it just too tiring, I, too taxing? It's too taxing because there are certain market we can trade, certain market cannot trade. Okay, I just go through with you 
what happened to me, uh, try to become a full-time trader for one week. One week I gave up. Every morning you have to be very disciplined. For example, the morning session, SGX forget about it. SGX you can't trade. Okay. Okay. So forget about SGX market. Mm-hmm. The only market you can trade in the morning, 9 a.m. is either uh, Hang Seng or Japan. Right? That will be between 9.30 to maybe 10.30, that kind of time frame. Okay, because after after a while you go to lunchtime, it's very boring, not moving anywhere. Because trader like volatility. You want big swing up and down. This is how you make your money. All right? Before before the 9 30, the market open for Hang Seng itself, you had to do a lot of homework. Then after you finish uh, preparing your homework, you trade during that period. If you don't have trade trading signal, basically you're just doing nothing. That's the first period. Then the second period will be probably our dinner time when the European market open. Mm. Maybe between five to seven o'clock. So still a second period. And the third period you'll be a US market. You'll be eleven to twelve uh, AM or one AM. But you just look at your own timing. Your own timing all screw up. No? Yeah. yeah. You, day you day and night the, is opposite now. Yeah. Right, right. You you don't live a normal life. And also you you just look at this trade different market. This trade different market got trade different behavior. How do you want to trade? It's not easy. There's so many things for you to trade and so many ticker symbols you have to do analysis. And also there are certain timing, for example, when there is a FOMC meeting. FOMC meeting normally is a 2 a.m. they re- release a result. Mm. You, you, FOMC, could you help us uh, define it? Federal Open Committee. Basically, it's a committee uh, in US. They, they organize, I think, six meetings per year. They talk about the monetary policy, whether they want to increase interest rate or decrease interest rate. And normally they make an announcement in 2 a.m. Singapore time. And before they make an announcement, you don't want to trade because it can very volatile. It can go anywhere. And those or volatility is not caused by human. It's caused by the computer. How the computer do a trading, basically they just read the read the script, uh, read all the wording mm. and start their Algorithms. To, uh, algorithm yeah. and start to issue buy and call, uh, right. buy and sell, buy yeah. and sell signal. Based on keywords and all uh, that. Yeah. That's, why, that's why if you have time to really you monitor before when there's an announcement itself, you, you can see that the stock market tend to be very, very volatile. And if you're a trader, you set profit target, you set stop loss. This how you get all the stop loss all stop out. <laughs> Going back to our theme of building a diversified portfolio, mentioned mainly uh, asset classes, but mm. tell us a bit more about country, sectors, mm. different ways of diversifying. So for the retail investor in, in Singapore, probably they only know about Singapore Stock Exchange. That's why if they want growth, they always complain about uh, Singapore stock market, no growth at all, right? Then Singapore is only suitable for the dividend stocks. Okay, that is true. If they want growth, they have to look up somewhere. The growth is in Hong Kong because we have a lot of China tech stock there. The growth uh, uh, stock market is in US, right? So if they are not able to or on, don't know the instrument how to diversify to those markets, they'll lose out the growth opportunity. Yeah, that's one thing. So it's important, uh, especially in Singapore itself, now basically when we're in Singapore, we are able to trade any place in the world. We can invest any place in the world through ETF, through the Unitrust itself. So diversification to a different uh, country is important because you do not want to put everything into one basket. For example, if you are a strong uh, China supporter, if you put all your portfolio, all your stock allocation into China, then you get hit this year, right? For example, next year. Next year, if US is going through the big correction, all the US stock will be hit, right? So, so it's important to really uh, allocate to different countries, to US, to Japan, to Asia, Pan, to, to China. Because at the end of the day, the money in this world you flow from one country to another country because it's so easily uh, moved from one asset class to another asset class. 
That's why, for example, when there is a big correction in the maybe stock market itself, the money you tends to move to the bond market or maybe move to the gold market to hedge a position. They will definitely move to somewhere, right? Because the fund manager, after they uh, take profit or cut loss in certain portfolio, they cannot keep the money into cash position because they have to deliver the return to their investor. So they are moved to somewhere safe, but at the same time, to give you some dividend, some coupon. So diversification to different country is important to really... Basically, you don't react after the market reacts. You plan for it first. If this thing happens, which market you benefit? This is how I plan my portfolio. Mm-hmm. So you look at asset classes, you look at countries. How about sectors? The sector is, especially this 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 year and next year, uh, probably the investor can see a lot of thematic portfolio coming up, mm-hmm. right? So technology disruption is one of the team, right? We, we, are, we are already seeing that how technology changed the world, changed the way we work, how to make us more productive. productive. And now even you can buy the virtual property, right? Amazing. Virtual crypto, <laughs> yeah, virtual okay. crypto. Metaverse and all that. All yeah, right. metaverse. So, so, so thematic is important. Mm-hmm. Another thematic will be the ESG play, right? Sustainability play. And China definitely is one of the thematic. We cannot run away from China, the growth story. But it may not happen maybe this year or next year. But long term, if you have the investment horizon of five years, 10 years, uh, definitely China will be here. And also due to a supply chain disruption and also the inflation, the commodity space will be doing well, right? In in this this one or two years. So just allocate some of the, the fund into this kind of thematic a pocket here and there. So, so just drag on the capital appreciation. But of course, you just cannot, just after allocation, you just close your eye. Because it's thematic, it's thematic is short term. It's more on tactical mm. play, right, during this period. Okay. All right. Mm. So today we, we talk about diversifying your portfolio. It really depends on your age, your life stage, and what are your goals, right? And then after you look at country, you look at sectors, you look at different asset classes to build a diversified portfolio because you want to avoid the mistake of the first three stages of losing money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and this is how you defend yourself against that. Right. All right, so stay tuned to the end of this episode because I'm going to ask Kenny about an overview of REITs in 2022. That's because uh, in our last episode, Kenny actually came on board to talk more about REITs. And therefore, I'm going to you know, ask him more about REITs in 2022. Moving forward, what views do you have? And it happens after our outro, right? So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconut. So can you give us an overview of REITs in 2022? What are your views, your analysis? What are you looking out for? Okay, basically, uh, 2022 is a reopening play for REIT because now you know that all the VTL have been established, the borders start to open. That will really uh, get our business back to normal. When our business get to normal, people can start to travel, the business will start to recover. For REIT itself, definitely, they'll be benefiting for this kind of uh, increase on the traffic, increase of business activity. So when when... When the business in the full recovery mode, basically the rental collected, you increase, right? Compared to uh, 2021, basically you have a lot of business shut down or the lockdown and those things, right? Your dividend definitely will be impacted for the past uh, one or two years. 
So in 2022, the return of dividend, you definitely will increase the share price because people want dividend. At the end of the day, uh, uh, dividend is very crucial for those uh, retiree. And at the present moment, this month, the latest number, the average dividend yield for the REIT sector in Singapore is 6%. 6% is pretty high, right? So in terms of the valuation itself, it's just at a fair value. So so at the present moment, it, it's pretty attractive the way I look at it. So, so uh, but of course, uh, different sectors will have a different performance moving forward. Okay, so I can we will start with the hospitality sector first because that comprises of the hotel service residential. So uh, next year, uh, hospitality sector, uh, I, I, I have the most bullish will on the hospitality sector, right? Because of the uh, increase in tourism and also we have been locked down for two years. Mm. That's why immediately I want to go to Singapore and travel. <laughs> I mean, if I play devil's advocate, what if more variants come? You know, but then, of course, we are looking at it being two years already and then yeah. more retail openings. There will be some form of reopening. Right. There will be right. some form of reopening. Yeah. And, also, and also, if you look at all those, uh, those countries and all those working adults itself, I think basically they can't afford another round of rock now. They can't afford because before the virus kill us, we will be killed by the economy first. Mm. We have to feed ourselves first. So I think that no matter how unlikely you go back to the full lockdown, right? Of course, there will be a lot of uh, inconvenience, there are a lot of control, there are a lot of testing along the way, but I don't think we'll go back to full lockdown. So this is also another very common question that the investor asked me, will, will we go back to another market crash or not? Okay, Quite firmly, I will say no. I will say no. We will not go back to March 2020, the, the whole market crash, because now we know the virus much more better. We have a vaccine, we have a test uh, kit, and we are able to really do the isolation, the segregation, and treatment much more faster. So things is much more better compared to last time. So hospitality is, is a good uh, reopening play. And the retail sector is the second one is also good for reopening play, especially for example, if you look at the Orchard Road, now you can start to see Orchard or the light come out again. <laughs> you mean the Christmas light? <laughs> the Christmas light. <laughs> what well, our tourists need to come in. <laughs> yeah, I think you I know, think they'll come in, but, but at least at least you can see that wow, finally. Some form yeah, of life. Some form of life. <laughs> some form of life. So those retail mall you tend to do well if more and more tourists coming back. Okay. So retail is a second uh, bullish play because at the present moment, if you look at historical price to book itself, it is still undervalued, right? There, beside the five percent dividend annual dividend, you still have probably twenty percent upside potential compared to the pre-COVID. Look at the chart, look at the price to book. More or less, you know that what is the future upside potential already. And when you come to data center, don't need to mention about data center. The digitalization of the economy, the rolling out of the five G system, you definitely need a lot of data. E-commerce also need a lot of data. Data center is here to stay. So that's why you can see that the reason uh, IPO of a digital core uh, read itself yeah. is so hot. It's so hot. Data center definitely is a growing asset. I can see that there'll be more and more read. You'll be include the data center into the portfolio. And e-commerce logistic. That's why you also can see that the Daiwa House Logistic Trust, they listed, they pumped in, I think, 12 logistics uh, from, from Japan into this uh, uh, re-IPO itself. So he has been doing well also. So logistic read 
is a growth play, the new economy play moving forward. The only thing that uh, may not have a very good growth prospect will be probably a com uh, commercial office, right? Because work from home trend, basically now with the digitalization of the economy, we can work anywhere we want, right? We also can work anytime we want. We don't really need to go back to the office. So uh, my view that uh, probably the performance for the commercial office will be muted, so-so, but definitely will not be worse than last year. Mm, okay. For reference sake, this is recorded in December 2021. So let's hope that in 2022, uh, life goes back to some form of normal. We're all healthy and we all make good money. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Kenny. Right. Thank you, Andrew.